Welcome to Feed the Feminine, a podcast dedicated to reviving archetypal feminine qualities in a masculine-dominated culture. I'm your host, Vanessa Sedodicato, a psychotherapist and writer empowering clients and readers to nourish their feminine, while also repairing what's been damaged in its long-standing cultural repression. Join me each episode as we talk about the archetypes present in how we eat, express, and relate, and what we can do to find meaning and reach balance. On today's episode, I'm coming to you from day two of my self-imposed quarantine to talk about emotional issues surrounding coronavirus and what we can learn about ourselves in this space. But before we dive in, as always, a quick disclaimer. The information provided here is intended to convey general information only and does not intend to replace or infer proper psychological diagnosis. No therapist-client relationship is implied or actualized through any contact with this podcast, website, or its creators unless formally agreed upon in a proper clinical setting. And now without further ado, here's this episode of the Feed the Feminine podcast. Let's talk about coronavirus. <laughs> I want to start by saying that the reflections that I share during this episode are coming from a place of privilege, which isn't to say that I don't have major concerns about my own general well-being. Um, but what it does mean is that while I am concerned about my income and the financial uncertainty of this time, I have some padding to figure out how to be flexible and maintain some stability, even if that means making some sacrifices and wiggling around a little bit. That privilege means that while I have asthma, I have decent health insurance and I can manage my needs proactively to decrease any possible impacts of exposure to COVID-19. That privilege also means that while I typically take the bus and the train to work, I still have a car and I'm able to move about as needed without having to be close to other people. I'm also now able to work from home and see my clients virtually through telehealth. So that's now removing any contact with other people altogether. That privilege also includes me having a safe home with Wi-Fi where I can kind of hide out and nourish myself throughout this time. I don't have any children to teach or entertain or seek childcare for with schools being out. Um, and that privilege also means that while my grocery stores too have been emptied to the bone, they seem to keep getting deliveries and I've been able to stock up on enough food to last me for about a week and a half. So for me, those are examples of privilege in a time like this. Things are strange, absolutely. I want things to get back to normal. I want to be able to go to the Lakers game that I had tickets to on Sunday night that was canceled. I want to be able to celebrate my friend at her bridal shower and my other friend at her wedding in the spring. I want to be able to take the trip that I was planning with my friend for my birthday next month. But I can't because all of those things are canceled. <laughs> um, I want the modern conveniences of life to remain so that I can just keep moving at the pace that I've become comfortable with. Uh, I don't want to have to stop and ask questions or try new things or, heaven forbid, have more patience than I'm usually able to stand. Uh, but right now, things are different. And I can be annoyed about that and I can be sad about that and I can be angry and anxious and all of the things. Uh, and I can also find some way to accept it and try to use it in a positive way. And I think part of my hope of recording this episode, uh, which was unexpected, I've I've sort of put um, my podcast on hold, but I just kept feeling so much urge to talk about this and share my insights on this because I'll be honest, like I am anxious, but I'm also not. I'm just kind of writing this out. And I thought, well, maybe there's something that I can share with people to help them feel maybe less alone in this time or to try on some different perspectives that maybe you otherwise might not be. So that's, I think, my hope behind putting out this episode. So Another privilege that I would say that I have in this experience, which helps facilitate this podcast and the website and all of the work that I do with The Hungry Feminine, is that I tend to be pretty comfortable in uncertainty. And don't get me wrong, I don't love it. It's not my favorite thing. Uh, I'm anxious and I'm confused. But I also have an immense curiosity about the unconscious meaning of things and like what lies under the surface and what we can learn from experiences that are placed before us, especially the experiences that seem to be like the craziest, right? So I'm pretty intrigued about what's happening in the world right now. I'm, I'm observing a lot of things. 
And I feel like that gives me an advantage that other people maybe don't have. Others who might be looking at this as kind of a one-dimensional problem that needs immediate solving. And don't get me wrong, a lot of it does. I mean, I don't say anything in this episode to convey a lack of empathy for people who are directly related to or directly impacted, I should say, by COVID-19. Um, I think there are so many different layers of this conversation there's the virus level, there's the quarantine level, there's the economic level. Um, there are a lot of different ways that people are impacted by it. And I want to be sure that we remember and that we keep in our focus that at the core of this, this is a virus that, sure, some people are totally fine to get and they're recovering from it and everything's great. But this is also a virus that is killing people. And I think we just always want to kind of keep that in our mind, not that we need to panic about it, but just to have respect for what we're looking at right now. So while some people might just be looking at this situation like something that needs to be fixed quickly, I'm looking at it like that, but I'm also looking at it like, well, since it's here, I wonder what we can learn. And that leads me to the last privilege that I will bring up here, although it's not the last privilege that I have in general. Um, this privilege benefits me greatly during this time, which is that I'm one hell of an introvert. <laughs> I practice my craft well. I have essentially been training for this exercise my entire life. Um, I always worried that when the apocalypse hit, I was going to have to do a lot of running and a lot of decision making and team building. Um, but this particular brand of survival works quite well for me because I can thrive pretty well on limited social interaction. Not forever, but for an extended period of time, I can deal with it. Uh, I joke, of course, about the apocalypse, just insofar as I don't believe that this is some end of the world. I don't believe that this is something we need to panic about. But a friend noted to me earlier that at its root, apocalypse is a Greek word that means revelation. It's an unveiling of things not previously known, which could not have been known in any other way. So talk about meaning. If we apply the word apocalypse to this event and many of you have, I see you out there, that would mean that there's a lot for us to realize, to uncover, to learn from this experience. Now, facing ourselves in the mirror, it's not easy. And I suspect that's partly why this experience has seemed to aggressively knock so many people out of their comfort zones. But if you're willing to glance inward and understand things that, yes, might be inconvenient might be uncomfortable, especially in line with the world that we used to know. I don't know. Perhaps there's a chance for evolution here. And what I mean by that is we have all grown accustomed to living our lives a certain way because that was how we were able to maybe optimize survival and pleasure and some whatever balance, whatever things you've sort of constructed your life to include. It it works or it worked in the system that we knew. Well, the system right now is not operating as usual. Now, that doesn't mean it's never going to operate as usual again. It might come back online a little differently when we see it again, or it might come back online exactly like we knew it, and a couple of months from now we'll be acting as though nothing ever happened. Um, I hope that we at least come back with a little bit more gratitude and a, and a different perspective, but my point is we adapted to the system that we knew. And that system is not in place right now. And so all of the ways that we adapted to it are either not accessible to us anymore, or they don't matter anymore, because the system is different. And that's going to make people nervous. Of course, that's going to make people nervous. But it doesn't mean that all hell is breaking loose, and that the end of the world is coming. It just means that we need to understand this new system, however temporary it might be, and just adapt to that one. Just realize that the same thing that we did the first go around, we've just got to do it again. And that means that we're going to have to maybe change a little bit. It means we're going to have to let some things go. But it doesn't mean it's impossible. It doesn't mean that we can't do it. It doesn't mean that we're going to be miserable. So I mention all of my areas of privilege because, well, I think it's always important to recognize the place from which you speak and acknowledge that other folks may have problems that you can't even conceive of, right? Whatever I talk about on this podcast, on this website, even in real life, I can only speak from my perspective. And sometimes I can sprinkle in the perspectives of other people as I hear them because 
I am an empath, both personally and professionally. And so I understand what a lot of people are going through. And while I don't want to speak for other people, I can certainly um, kind of give insight to the things that other people might be struggling with. But at the end of the day, I'm speaking from my perspective, and my perspective includes privilege that maybe other people don't have. That's always important to just put out there. But I think in this situation, it's also helpful because there are people who are really struggling big time in this situation, and perspective is going to be really key as we figure out who we are and what we're going to do next in all of this. So I, I guess I make assumptions that this podcast is being listened to by other people who might have similar or different privileges than I do. And the reason that I suspect that is one, just because I know a lot of you or have communicated with a lot of you through Instagram or Facebook. And so I think I kind of have a general idea of um, what you've got going on. And I could be very wrong about that. Um, and I'm happy for everybody to be listening. I want to be talking to everybody. But uh, I think I have a lot of things to say to people who maybe have the same privileges or, or similar privileges that I do, because even though we've got things that are working in our favor right now, there's still so much uncertainty and so much fear and so much anxiety. And I want to address it from that perspective. But before we do that, we've got to look at those who don't have these privileges, because if we're going to honor perspective, we've got to do it to the best that we can. So there are folks who have no choice but to go to work right now. Otherwise, they lose a paycheck. They're not able to work from home. And so if they are immunocompromised or they do have some sort of physical vulnerability that creates, that increases susceptibility to this virus, uh, they don't have a choice. They have to go to work. There are people who cannot drive or walk to work but have to take public transportation, which is crowded, and now they're all up in each other's business. And so the social distancing piece goes right out the window. That not only makes everybody in that situation vulnerable, but it makes everybody outside of the train vulnerable too, because now people can become vectors for the virus. In other words, they can be carrying it to other people who had no contact with the train at all, but now they're going and they're they're touching them or they're in their space and they could potentially be spreading the virus. That's the idea behind social distancing, right? So there are folks that just don't have other options. They don't have a car or they can't walk to work and they've got to get on the bus or the train during this time. There are people who have lost their income altogether, that their jobs are no longer necessary in this particular economy or with everything that's going on and being canceled. Uh, and so they're losing their income entirely. There are people who don't have enough cash on hand to stock up on things ahead of time. And so they're stuck living paycheck to paycheck at best, which means they've got to try to luck out and get to the grocery store that week and make sure that Trader Joe's or what Ralph's or Smart and Final or whatever just got a delivery so that they can get some food for the day or for the week because everybody else is going in there stockpiling for months at a time. Not everybody can afford to do that. There are folks who live in food deserts in the United States where access to healthy food isn't even really available on a good day, much less now. The folks in Flint, Michigan, I can't believe we're still talking about this, but the, the folks in Flint, Michigan are under such enormous pressure right now to stock up on bottles of water because after all these years of government failure, they still cannot just turn on the tap and fill up a Brita filter. There are folks who can't afford medication, much less a three-month supply of it at once. There are folks who are medically compromised in one way or another and are suffering immensely because of this virus. People who can't get medical care because the hospitals are overrun and doctors and nurses are saying that they are left doing the unthinkable, which is prioritizing who gets help and who's going to die in the hallway. So I don't say that to deprioritize those among us who you know, are doing better than that. Those of us who rely on social engagements and staying busy to help regulate ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis. I work with a lot of clients and just generally I speak to a lot of people who are struggling right now. They're trying to figure out how to fill up their cup, so to speak, so that they have energy to keep adapting to this ever-changing situation. A lot of people have crafted this particular flow in their life to ensure that they can stay moving and grooving and, and those become coping skills for them. 
So this is a difficult time for those folks too, even if they have other privileges in place to have your coping skills, to have your, okay, I'm going to wake up at this time and go to the gym and then I'm going to go to work and then I'm going to go hang out with some friends. Like all of that now is thrown off. And so whatever, you know, routine you've put in place as a coping skill, it's probably been thrown off for you. And that's not a small inconvenience for some people. There are also folks who are stuck at home with people that they were not designed to be spending that much time with. (laughs) And I can't help but wonder if that is some kind of call to practice boundary setting or to practice having patience with other people and getting to the root of maybe what keeps you at a distance. I'm not trying to Pollyanna this, right? I'm not trying to discredit the frustrations that people might be feeling. Feel your frustration and then also maybe be curious about why it's so hard to be handling certain things right now. To me, having these perspectives is critical in a time like this, trying to put ourselves in the shoes of other people, especially if we're doing relatively okay ourselves. Recognizing the privilege that we have here can really inform how we help others. And so in this situation, to me, privilege looks like being able to buy extra groceries this week having a safe place to stay, or even having social supports to distance ourselves from in the first place. Because even though those are sort of baseline things in this situation, they are things that some other people maybe don't have now at at all, but maybe never had, even on a good day. We're all impacted by this, but some people are hurting more than others. And we need these perspectives, I think, to resonate with everybody because we all affect each other right now. I mean, we always affect each other, but but now more than ever, it is being revealed to us how much we affect each other. The healthy and wealthy among us can be very harmful right now to those who are immunocompromised or financially insecure, now more than ever. So this is gut check time. Who are you? In this pandemic, you're going to find out. So as my regular listeners know, The Hungry Feminine is a place where I explore and examine American culture, Western culture, through the lens of feminine and masculine archetypal traits. So when I say feminine and masculine, I don't mean women and men. I mean yin and yang, the archetypal qualities that live in all of us. We all have masculine and feminine regardless of our gender. So let's put on our yin-yang glasses and look at the coronavirus situation through them. You've heard me say before that America is a, a masculine dominated culture. Why do I say that? Well, because capitalism rules our politics, because structure, productivity, and protection earn our livings, because climate change is seen as a hoax to a lot of people, and the needs of industry get put before the needs of the planet. We keep ourselves busy for the sake of an income, but perhaps it's because we don't want to sit still long enough to tolerate ourselves. Empathy is seen as being for the naive. Nurturance is seen as being for the weak. Creativity is seen as being for the aimless. Individualism is placed before community. Violence is more acceptable than rest. Rapists are defended while victims are blamed. Breasts are allowed for sexual pleasure but criminalized for feeding our young. Money is worshipped. God is laughed at. We turn fellow humans into others and then into enemies who we project our own self-despair onto for righteous destruction. We allow our ego to drive the car unchallenged, unchecked. We take what we want when we want it and every problem can be solved through war. And so on. Does this sound familiar? I mean, forget about American history. Some of this has been demonstrated in the grocery stores around the country this past week, right? And so what happens to a country that runs so much on autopilot on the fuel of the masculine, which a lot of it is a very shadowy, dark, negative masculine at that. And this country or this culture is suddenly asked to stay home, to slow down, to quiet, to observe, to get to know themselves. No more 19-hour days at the office, no more racing through the streets, no more shopping your hearts out, no more laughing with friends at the bar over drinks. Not that these things are bad, but our reliance on them might be the thing that we're being asked to look at right now. Now, I'm not saying that this is some cosmic lesson from the universe, but just because a bad situation is happening doesn't mean we can't get something good from it, which is some insight. This is feminine time. This is the time to ask yourself what you're doing for your community, how you take care of yourself, and what are the things that are most important to you when everything predictable falls away, when everything you thought ruled the world turned out to be just a veil of some sort, a protective wall that could crumble within the span of a couple of days. I don't say that to be dramatic, 
but that's what's happened. It doesn't mean it can't rebuild, but it's what happened. And it doesn't have to be terrifying, not if we're willing to release the grip of that masculine rigidity. And it's easier said than done, but all we have to do is look and see what's left and allow that to be enough. And we will be okay. There are people who refuse to quarantine or even temporarily distance themselves socially. There are people who say this is just the flu. Get over it. To me, those people simply seem stuck under the spell of that masculine rigidity. It makes sense to me to be scared and uncomfortable, so much so that you might become unwilling to imagine a world other than the one that you know, the one which convinced us all that we had control over everything. There are people who would rather believe this is political propaganda that we shouldn't trust or that it's an overreaction or that just because people are exercising caution, that means we're panicking. Those are people in the grip of the masculine who know only the mindset of war. People who, when there is no enemy, will create one worth fighting. I'm not a medical expert. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a political analyst. But I feel confident in saying this. There is no bad guy to overthrow in this specific situation. There is not some villain laughing maniacally at how the NBA and the MLB and Disney decided to throw away immense profits in exchange for their social responsibility. The stock market didn't crash at the hands of an adversary waiting for us in war. This is a virus, a virus that medical experts were long confused about and still don't know how to cure or prevent. This is bigger than us, and that feels vulnerable. Of course it does. And I believe that's sort of the point of the whole thing. That's maybe the lesson in here. But ignoring and continuing to go on as though everything is normal, it's just not fair to yourself or to your neighbors. And so this, the idea of social distancing and self-quarantining, that's coming from medical experts. It's not about your individual vulnerability. It's about decreasing the chances of the virus spreading which would overload our hospitals and put those more vulnerable to the virus in dangerous situations. This idea of working together as a community to flatten the curve did not come from some political mascot, but medical doctors. The war mentality does not apply here, though it makes sense why a masculine dominant culture that thinks everything can be solved with aggression and power is defaulting to this urge to fight, this urge to find some bad guy some talking head to blame this on or to sort of shoot down authority and say, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do because I have freedoms and I'm going to exercise them. There's no Thanos to defeat here. There's no authority figure trying to mess with you that you need to rebel against. This is a virus. And it's a virus that might be fine for some of us to catch, but a death sentence for others. And that matters. This is a time for humility. This is a time to fall back. So as I've been saying, a lot is being revealed in this experience, as the word apocalypse would have us suspect. So let's look for where we can maybe find some insight. I think we can gain some insight from our personal reactions to social distancing and how much our well-being relied upon our busy schedule or seeing other people and why it might be so uncomfortable to suddenly be at a halt and just be kind of left alone with ourselves. I think insights can come from the feelings of fear and scarcity that come from seeing empty grocery stores, which may be extra triggering to those with a history of deprivation or neglect, or that amplifies fears of not enoughness in those who live with those feelings already every day. I think we can gain insight from the frustration of hearing those who refuse to take this seriously and the anger that we have toward those who seem to be putting their personal interests before the interests of the community. I think we can gain insight from our reactions to all of the political mandates that are coming down from each governor and mayor, or the shock that we feel of seeing major institutions forfeit their profit to keep the public safe. I think insight can come from the feeling of maybe unsafety that we actually feel from that on some level, because if institutions that we've relied upon the institutions that always felt like they were going to be there, whether we needed them or not, like even Disney, if they could close their doors, maybe we can't help but wonder what else could close their doors in our face. What else we might lose, right? I think we can gain insight from 
our own fears around health and safety and hygiene and whether we can ever keep ourselves safe enough. I think we can gain insight from our concerns about money, be it a direct loss of income and job uncertainty, or the investments and the savings for our future that maybe we were trying to work toward. There's a lot to react to, but there's also a lot to listen to within ourselves. And I don't say all of this to reignite your anxiety, trust me. In fact, I say that to indicate that everybody's feelings right now matter and they can also be an invitation to learn more about ourselves and our schemas of the world. This is temporary. And from what the experts are saying, the doctors and the scientists who understand the nature of pandemics and their impacts on a society, the more we all cooperate now, the quicker it will be done and the least amount of damage it will have done. That does not mean that we have to panic, but it does mean that we ought to get our information and follow the recommendations of the medical experts. It doesn't need to be all or nothing. It is not all or nothing, like most things. There's an important middle ground, which asks us to be civil to one another and make some sacrifices where we can so that we decrease the harm all around. This is not war. This is not, at least not for those of us with a safe home and running water and access to medication and food and toilet paper, stop buying toilet paper and internet to facilitate working from home and all of these things. Requests or demands from you to stay home are not an act of persecution. Think of it more like an invitation to try something different, even if it's uncomfortable and scary. Take your fear and anxiety along for the ride. Some of you have been through worse in your personal lives. And I wonder how it might be different now to see the solidarity in this. To not have to experience your trauma or re-traumatization alone in isolation, but rather with everyone, from a distance, of course. But still, social media is really, it's becoming a home for that solidarity. And I wonder how that might change the experience for you now. And so overall, I have some suggestions. There are the usual tips of trying to keep up with normal routine, shower, exercise, get dressed, do what you would do on any normal day. If you're working from home, set boundaries around your workstation. I'm seeing my clients for therapy sessions via video. And while I have a very small apartment, I live in Los Angeles. You all know how that goes. I sectioned off a corner of my apartment for business operations. So every morning I wake up and I joke with myself about my five foot commute to work. But it's not just a joke. It's actually a boundary that I'm setting in my mind. And I think it's especially helpful for therapists that are working from home. You have to allow your home space and your eating space and your sleeping space to stay separate from your workspace so that you can optimize that normalcy in these abnormal times. And remember, outside isn't canceled. Take a walk when you can. Exercise under the sun or even in the rain, LA. I know it sucks, but we can do it. As Glennon Doyle says, we can do hard things. Remember all the things that are working in your favor and let those fuel what's not. This is a very interesting time for the curious among us. I'm intrigued every day by what I'm learning in this whole experience. So ask your anxiety to ask more questions rather than make assumptions. This is a wild time to be alive. Observe what you have the space to observe. I also like to befriend my anxiety and depression by not looking at them as the bad guy in myself, but rather some kind of struggling kid in myself that doesn't have enough information and needs some guidance. And I provide my emotions that guidance by using my rational mind to gather information and then show my anxiety what it doesn't know, while still honoring what it is actually very much afraid of. Worry is a very intense use of the imagination. I always tell my clients, and I do this myself, if your default is to just think of all of the worst case scenarios without even having to try, then make a conscious effort to also imagine the best case scenarios. What could go right here? Even if it's not perfect, if we've got a, a whole archive of all of the worst case scenarios, let's let's throw some best case scenarios into the imagination and see what that does in terms of opening up possibility. I also find that it helps us find that middle ground because life tends to fall in the middle of best and worst case scenario. Uh, so it, it helps sort of reality check us a little bit in this time. And even though we might feel restricted physically, look for the possible freedoms in this experience. And I don't just mean getting more time in bed in the morning or how you're free to stink up your apartment with no need to shower. Listen, I see all of you and I know that you're not showering in the morning <laughs> these days. 
But I mean, look at how all of our limitations are being revealed. Look at how imperfect we are forced to be right now. We are being asked to be flexible in this time, which can be hard, but that also means that we can ask other people to be flexible with us. There's more room for forgiveness in this confusion. There's more room for peace and quiet. We have the space to self-reflect now instead of getting lost in distractions. We can be kinder to each other. We can understand each other now in a way that we've never been able to really understand each other before because we're sharing this experience together. We have time to make art and watch art and live art. We get to care for other people with boundaries already put in place for us. We don't even need to do the hard work of setting boundaries. It's done. It's established. So in that, there's more room for all of the things that we were convinced were bad because the masculine dominant culture says all of these feminine things are weak. They're going to slow us down. They're not going to help us in the end. They're not going to keep us moving forward and advancing and making money and all of these things. Well, the truth is, yeah, they're not maybe going to make us advance and increase technology and money and all these things, but they're going to tend to our souls as human beings. And that matters. Does that, does that not matter? <laughs> are we only on this planet? to make money and create new cell phones? I mean, no, <laughs> we're not. The room that we're making now for those things that we thought were bad, we can actually maybe recognize that they're quite lovely once you get comfortable with them and stop believing the narrative that they're bad, that they're gonna doom us all. So don't look at your loss of, of physical freedom as bad so much as an opportunity to redefine freedom. But also try this. Turn your focus away from the political performances of the moment if you can. Because I think those are becoming harder to tolerate without the usual daily distractions that we've had in place up until this point. So I think you might go mad listening to these talking heads these days. So if you can step away from that, I understand we're in an important political time. There's a very important election coming up at the end of the year. I get all of that. But right now we need to be focusing on other things. So move away from the media Move away from all of the negative commentary coming from that and the political arguments that continue. And instead, use some of this quieter time to find art and music and things that open up your heart and your mind. Several musicians, this has been so cool. One of my favorite musicians, Tony Luca, he did this on Sunday night. But a lot of musicians are doing this. They're, they've been playing concerts from their living rooms and live streaming them on Facebook so that everybody can go out without going out. Museums are offering virtual tours online. There are educational portals that where you can learn new skills or, or just sort of engage in interesting conversation with people. We did not just build technology so that we can share our every random late night thought on Twitter or post cute cat pictures on Instagram. This is the time to use technology for something bigger than what we have always known it to be, at least us in the civilian world. And you can also craft at home by yourself or with family. Read, take walks, nap, write, garden, play, exercise, meditate, laugh, sing, cuddle, breathe, go shopping for an elderly neighbor, or start a damn sing-along from the balcony of your apartment complex. And feel what you feel. Honor the anxiety, but also be curious about it. What's it worried about? What does it want? What could quell it? I'm not an expert on you. I'll always say that. My thoughts and opinions here... They're not things that you must take my lead on. If you have something to worry about that I have no concept of, I'm not here to say you're doing it wrong. We're all figuring this out as we go. And my hope is that you just find the path of least resistance for your own self in your own personal circumstances. And I don't know, give some semblance of a crap about the impact that, that has on those around you. <laughs> That's it. If no one will be hurt by you staying home, then stay home. Because it might hurt somebody else if you go out. That's not difficult. That's not a trick. That's not war. That's compassion. That's community. That's nurturance. That's the feminine that we have so deeply been craving for so long. We're not impervious to viruses, no matter how masculine a culture we are. No matter the money we make or the walls we build or the toilet paper we stockpile. Again, I gotta say, stop buying toilet paper. The masculine can't protect us from everything. We're in a global health crisis. The numbers of infected people and the numbers of fatal cases are rising every day. Shutting down cities is not some kind of conspiracy or overreaction. We don't need to panic, but we do need to shift our perspective here for a minute. And what that perspective is calling for is inherently feminine. So it comes as no surprise to me 
that certain people are absolutely angrily boycotting the idea that we need to change the way we do business right now, even if it's just temporary. There's this like, from my cold dead hands kind of narrative that I'm hearing from people. It's like, let it go. It's okay. This is not some slippery slope that sends all of humanity into an ice age. We will get back to showering. More importantly, we will get back to health and socialization and business as usual. Hopefully, with a newfound appreciation and a new skill to embrace the feminine and include that in what we prioritize every day, but things will be okay. We will have to go through some strange things before then, but things will be okay. The economy is important. Yes, your jobs and livelihood and your ability to pay rent, that is all important. Of course it is. In the end, what will harm us more than losing productivity is losing empathy. Because at some point, whatever the next couple of weeks, couple of months look like, at some point we're going to come out of this. Who do we want to come out of this as? The people that held steadfast? No, I will not quarantine and I will not, you know, heed the messages of medical doctors because this is an overreaction and it's a conspiracy and I just want to keep business as usual and or do we want to say well we came out on the other side but we came out together and we and we learned something about ourselves and we connected and we realized the things that we're grateful for now so when I go back to work I'm going to have a different head on my shoulders who do we want to be on the other side of this it seems important to recognize that part of our panic right now our general sense of anxiety in this new way of being, however temporary, is how much we relied on things beyond our control, how much capitalism created a false sense of safety, how much we convinced ourselves life was not full of chaos, when really, that's all it is. <laughs> a lot of our anxieties coming from the what ifs that we typically tend to avoid actually answering or maybe even asking in the first place. We're being forced to confront things that we have been trying to pretend don't require our attention for a very long time. Well, our attention is now required. And if you're panicking, it might be because you feel unequipped to give your attention to these unknown things. Or it could be because it's difficult to accept that the way things have always been might not be the way things will always be. Or it could be that it's hard to really understand the ways in which we were maybe falsely convinced into believing that we were all safe and that everything could stay normal forever. And that can be sad and we can grieve that. And we can be angry and we can be scared for what comes next. But perhaps we can also feel hopeful. This is an opportunity for us to feed some part of ourselves that we typically have to override in order to keep up with our jobs and our social plans and our general adult responsibilities. This is a time not necessarily to halt entirely. Hustle as you need to, to keep up an income and do whatever you need to do. But you can also slow down. You can also take whatever time you have been spending at the bar or the club or basketball games or commuting home and turn that into something else. I will say this. In this world, your introvert friends are feeling pretty relieved. I mean, we're saddened at the vehicle that got us here, but we're relieved that we're here nonetheless because introverts are finally like, yes, we finally, everybody's doing now the thing that we always wanted to do. FOMO doesn't really exist anymore, so long as you have some connection to the internet, you know. And by the way, if you don't have connection to the internet or if you know of communities that don't have internet access, I've heard that Spectrum is offering free access to students, at least, who are displaced from school and don't have internet at home. So look into that for yourself or for your neighbors. I assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you must have some connectivity to the web. Um, but uh, I, I also have empathy for the extroverts of the world who thrive on always being busy and social and feeling free to roam about the world. I will say even as an introvert, I feel a little scared about what we might have access to, right? So while I, I might not always want to be out and about, I do at least find comfort in having the option to do so, right? So that's fair. As a reminder, you're allowed to leave your house, at least at the time of this recording. You can utilize nature and the outdoors to avoid cabin fever and just find a new way to connect to the world. I know that a lot of the a lot of the traits of the feminine uh, seem kind of boring to people. <laughs> I think that's something that I always forget to talk about. Yes, there's there's a lot of narrative that says like feminine traits and we don't we don't actually call them feminine traits, but we say that these traits are weak and they get in the way and they're they're silly and they're just time wasters and all of these things. But 
they're, they can also seem really boring to people, especially if you've been running at 100 miles an hour for your, your whole life up until this point. So taking a walk through nature, you're probably like, stop telling me to take a walk outside. I don't want to take a walk outside. We're so used to being overstimulated and multitasking and doing 800 things at once and meeting deadlines and rushing and ignoring things, but falling into distractions, right? So yes, some of these suggestions may seem boring, but it's not because they're actually boring. It's just because you are desensitized to the intensity of your daily life up until this point. It's like, I don't know, when you eat a lot, a lot, a lot of sugar and then you have like a salad and you kind of can't even taste it anymore because your taste buds have kind of been oversaturated, right? So yes, these things might seem boring, but give them a chance. I also have a lot of empathy for those among us who thrive on physical touch and are maybe feeling some sense of deprivation at this time. When you're craving something that you're being told to avoid or, or that you can't have, I know that that's not easy. So you have my empathy. Now, I don't know that that's enough, but you have it. Um, so resources. VirusAnxiety.com has some cool ways to manage anxiety, utilize me meditation throughout this time. I think there's also resources for parents on there. If you're a healthcare provider within the U.S. with an MPI number, the meditation app Headspace, they're offering free subscriptions to their pro service through the rest of 2020. So you can go to headspace.com slash health hyphen COVID hyphen 19. I think I'm saying hyphen. I think I'm using hyphen the right way, but just Google Headspace um, and COVID-19. You'll probably find it. Those are some resources to manage anxiety and figure out where to even start. As for the rest, as you know, the situation is constantly changing and it's giving us a chance to see some really positive, I think, innovative, creative ways that people are supporting the community from a distance. So whether you're in need of internet, food, medication, utilize social media. And I mean, utilize it. This is a time for Instagram to be more than just about looking at pictures of other people's dinner. Social media is a tool right now, a tool for community and distance socializing, a tool for sharing resources and connecting people to what they need. So utilize it well, yet also set some boundaries around it. Use some caution. With social media being one of the major ways that we're able to stay connected these days, it can sort of feed into what may otherwise be considered to be an unhealthy attachment to technology. I already noticed yesterday at the end of my first day being quarantined that I was very overwhelmed by all of the notifications and the distractions that were coming up on my phone and on my computer. So I just turned off notifications. And I know that when I want to go see my Instagram messages, I can open up the Instagram app when my mind is ready for that and read my messages. I don't need to be getting infiltrated with notifications, especially if I'm noticing that it makes me feel anxious on top of everything else. And then I'm feeling some sort of hustle to respond to people or read messages or check something. And then I forgot what I was doing in the first place. You guys know how it goes. You're having the same experiences. So just set boundaries where you need to set boundaries. And so my challenge for you, should you choose to accept it, is to feed the feminine. Lean into compassion for yourself and for other people. Get to know the needs of your community and put them, if not before your own personal needs and desires, put them right next to your personal needs and desires. Ask for help when you need it. Listen to other people. Empathize with their version of this experience. Understand that you don't have clarity on every version of this experience and be open to learning new things. Don't take more than you need. Again, for the third time in this episode, I'm going to beg you people, stop stockpiling toilet paper. What is that? But, I, but, that also, but that also applies to food. You know, I understand people are wanting to stock up. Grocery stores are probably not going to be closing. They're considered an essential business. They're still getting deliveries, at least as far as I've seen. Be cautious about what you stock up on. Because while you can maybe buy four months worth of frozen food and canned food, there are people who can't even afford to buy enough food to get them through the rest of the week. And they're trying to compete with you right now because that's what it's become at the grocery stores is a competition. Slow it down a little bit. It's okay. We're going to have access to these things. Spend time in nature, even if it's alone. 
because you know what? I bet you're not going to feel alone. I was in Malibu the other day and granted it's Malibu and I feel very privileged that I'm able to just drive to Malibu because it's like 30 minutes away from my house. And it was, it was on Sunday, which was like the one day it seems like this entire month that it wasn't raining. And so it was beautiful. You know, when, when the rain washes away all the smog in LA, it's like super bright outside. And, um, it was just a stunning day, but I saw all of these wonderful creatures, all of the squirrels and the hummingbirds and the pelicans and all of these, all of these creatures coming out. And I just love observing them. They're there and they're, they're part of the environment that we live in. And so go be amused by animals and nature. It's like one of the most fun things to do. Um, <laughs> I actually have another Instagram feed where I just share pictures that I take. Um, and I have a lot of pictures of animals from dogs and cats to birds and insects and all sorts of things. Cause I just find them interesting. <laughs> um, another privilege that I have, I suppose in this situation where I feel like I'm, I'm very happy to self-entertain. <laughs> um, except that uncertainty is the current normal and invite the not knowing to bring you some peace. Ask it to bring you some clarity because the things that we're uncertain about are on the surface. The things that we're uncertain about are, you know, what does work look like? Am I going to get this virus? What is healthcare looking like these days? When does the stock market go back up? It's all of the very masculine outside of us kind of external questions. What is clear or what will become clear if we let it is who we are underneath all of that, standing naked against all of those external things. Who are we? That's That doesn't have to change. That doesn't have to feel like the rug's being pulled out from under us. That's an opportunity for us to actually get some certainty about something. Take care of your elders. Please, 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 please take care of your elders. Stay, stay home. Slow down. Stay home. Play. Cook, bake, write, draw, build, dance. Just create. Have fun. Read fairy tales. Clean your house. Be still. And really look at the life that you've created. And don't worry, because if it turns out that you don't like what you see, you can decide to do something different. Allow the unknown to make itself known. Ask your ego to just step aside for a hot second in service to your unconscious and all that lives and breathes there. Remember my favorite quote from Carl Jung, which is so... I think, helpful in times like these. Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. The ego is a very masculine concept. The unconscious is a very feminine concept. Right now, the ego is just not getting what it wants. The ego is saying, God damn it, I want to be able to go out to the bar. Or like my ego is like, damn it, I still want to go to that Lakers game on Sunday, even though it was a couple days ago and it never happened. I'm like, I want to go. I want to go to the game. That's my ego kind of freaking out, right? Well, I got to tell my ego to, to just dial it back for a second. And instead, the conversations I want to be having are with my unconscious. Why did I want to go to that game so badly? Well, because it was going to be fun to be out, to be with some friends of mine that I really enjoy being around. Why? Because I feel really connected to them. I feel really validated when I talk to those friends. And it would be fun to just be with people that I trust in an environment that's really fun and exciting, Right. So now I've just taken this, this ego's repetitive urge to say, I want to go to the game. And I've turned it into an understanding of why I wanted to go to the game and what I would have benefited from. And oh, you know what? Guess what? I could actually call those, those friends and we can figure out a way to have some sort of like a fun night together where I'm still with those same people that I, that I trust and enjoy being around, but we're safer and we're still having fun. Right. So all of a sudden now I can modify the thing that I'm asking for. Is it the same as being at a Lakers game? No, but it'll fulfill the thing that my ego is seeking by having wanted to go to the Lakers game in the first place. I mean, that's just an example, right, of how we can do that. So I guess the challenge is embrace that right now in this uncertainty we're holding each other and ourselves to different standards. We're allowing more mistakes. We're becoming more flexible. We're giving space for things to change. We're trying on new ways of being. We're not holding everything to this ideal expectation, to this perfectionist mentality. We're just living and floating and blowing in the wind. 
And I truly believe that we've been waiting for this to try this experience and see who we can grow into by allowing it in. So I don't know. That's my stance. I don't know if this was helpful for any of you. Um, I hope that at least just kind of like, you know, hearing somebody kind of ramble about what's going on at least makes you feel less alone. And maybe there were some tips in here to help you kind of ground yourself a little bit. Um, and uh, if you want to keep talking about this, listen, like DM me on Instagram. I might take a couple days to get back to you because I am trying to uh, moderate how much social media I intake. Um, but, but send me a DM if you want to chat. Uh, not therapeutically. I can't um, offer therapy services through Instagram. But if you just want to have a chat about it, um, curiously, let's do that. I would love to know maybe what your questions are or what you think is complete nonsense out of everything that I've said today or what you thought was helpful and what might uh, help guide you through this process. I would love to hear from you guys because we are in this together and my opinion is just my opinion. Uh, so I hope that you're all doing well and taking care of yourselves and those around you and that you're finding some peace in all of this. Uh, you can head over to thehungryfeminine.com and sign up for my mailing list. I haven't sent out a, an email probably in like a year, so I should probably get on that. Maybe I will in this time <laughs> now that I have some extra time. Um, but you can also subscribe to the podcast. The best way to sort of follow along is on Instagram or Facebook at The Hungry Feminine. Uh, I'll post updates there and I'll continue to uh, share things with you. And uh, just take care of yourselves, guys. Talk to you soon.